beginning a new series today, so good morning, everybody. Are you ready for a new series? Let me say hello to our campuses this morning. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. No matter where you're, where you're gathered together with Love and Truth today, we're glad you're there. Whether you're in Cordova or Craneville or Henderson, Savannah or South Jackson, we're glad you're with us today. And we believe that God has something special uh, for you today. So let's get ready to receive what God has. Now here's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about putting God first. So would you take your Bibles today and go to the book of Matthew, the sixth chapter. Matthew chapter six, very first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33 is a, is a familiar verse to most people who have gone to church some, but maybe we're going to take a little different look at it. Verse 33 says, but seek first, what? His kingdom, right? Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these Things, all these things, if you go back up a few verses, you see little things are food and house and clothes. All these things will be given to you as well. And so we're, go we're going to be talking about making God first priority in our life, putting God first. We're going to seek first the kingdom of God. Now, as we begin to talk about that, let me first of all just talk to you about what a kingdom is. A kingdom, really translated, would be a king's dominion. When you begin to understand the king's domain, the king's dominion in our life, the, the Word of God says that Jesus came and His first sermon was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the king's dominion has come. And, and so he, he began to talk about that. He talked about the kingdom time and time again. In fact, he said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so what we have to understand is, is that once you become a believer, you are in a new kingdom. You are in a new way of living. Another way to say that, uh, another way to talk about kingdom is just God's way of doing things. So seek ye first the kingdom. Seek ye first God's way of doing things and His righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. Now, let me talk about kingdom for a minute because that's kind of a foreign concept to Americans. To those of us who have grown up in a republic that has a democratic form of government, uh, we kind of think everything runs by a vote. But let me help you. In a kingdom, it doesn't work that way. In a kingdom, it's all about what the king says. It's about the king's word. It's about what the king is saying. It's about what the king speaks that, that gives direction to that nation, to that kingdom that he is in. So when you, when you begin to study the word of God, what you find is, is that the king has established certain protocols for the kingdom that we have been brought into. So if I'm a Christian today, if I'm a believer, then I have been brought into the kingdom of God. And so now I've left the old kingdom and I've come into a new kingdom. Now let me, let me kind of explain it this way. Um, if you were to go, let, let's say to Britain today, if you were to go to London, you were flying on a plane and you were to fly to London today, when you arrived there you would get into a new kingdom. All right? The money in your pocket you could not use. You would have to change it for the money, uh, the English pound. Uh, also, if you were in that and you got a car and you started driving down the right side of the road, guess what's going to happen? 
you're going to get run right over real quick. Because in that kingdom, it doesn't operate as we do in America. It operates differently. And so when you get to another kingdom, guess what? If you want to be successful in that kingdom, you have to operate by the principles of that kingdom. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. Now today, here's, what I want to, here's the title of the sermon today. I want to talk about preparation precedes provision. Preparation precedes. In other words, preparation goes in front of provision. Now, here's, here's what I found out about Americans. We don't really like that. We, we want, uh, you know, we just want to receive. We don't want to do any preparation. I was reading this past week, the news article, some of you may have seen it. There was a couple in California this past week or a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they were out for a walk on their property that they've owned for several years. And the wife saw a tin can kind of coming to the surface and sticking out uh, of the ground. She went over and dug it up and, and come to find out there were several cans. And in, inside of those, uh, there were gold coins from the 1800s. Once they got them all dug up, they took them to uh, a person who deals with coins, and those gold coins are worth $10 million. Now, I know what's going to happen after this sermon <laughs> is everybody's going to go out for a walk and look for 10 cans sticking up out of the ground. That's kind of how we think, man, if I could just get the windfall. If, you know, back in the day, if Ed McMahon would just show up on my doorstep with that million-dollar gift, and that's, that's why poor people play the lottery. Amen? Don't get nervous on me. Um, it's a proven fact that the majority of people that play the lottery are poor people because they think I'm going to hit it one day. I'm going to get my number. It's going to come in, and I'm going to win, and I'm going to be a millionaire. Now, what happens is, is in the kingdom of God does not operate that way. It, it, it's not that way. God's word is not established that way. And, and so what we have to do is we, we have to get into the word of God and find out what God's word says. The book of Luke, the ninth chapter, if you want to go there today, we're, we're going to look at this whole process of preparation precedes provision. The book of Luke, the ninth chapter, let me just tell you the story uh, that we won't read it. We'll get into some of the specifics in a moment. The story is, is that Jesus and the disciples have done a great ministry, and Jesus says to the disciples, hey guys, let's go aside, let's get some rest, let's get some R&R, &R. we're going to take some time off and, and just kind of enjoy ourselves. And, and as they go to the other side and, and kind of try to hang out, all of a sudden the crowd, the, the multitude finds out that they're there, and they show up. Well, Jesus being who Jesus is, the Bible says that he begins to teach them. And the Word of God says in the afternoon, the disciples come to Jesus, and, and they kind of make everything real spiritual. They come to the Lord, and they said, Lord, uh, this is a desert place. This is a place that we're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And, Lord, you, you need to send these people away uh, because uh, we don't have any food here, and we, we, we really need to send them home. Now, I really don't think they were that concerned about the people. I think they thought, hey, we're supposed to be hanging out, enjoying just a good time with one another, and these people are messing up our party, all right? But they, they made it sound real religious, and so Jesus just said to them, uh, he said to them, well, what, why don't you give them something? And they said, well, Lord, you know, in another passage it says, Lord, it would take a year's wages to feed all these people. He, and Jesus said, well, what have you got? And they said, well, Lord, the well, only thing we've got is we've got five loaves and two fish. Now, again, a lot of our minds goes, you know, we go to these huge French loaves and big old, you know, 12-pound bass hanging over the side and 
And I don't think that's what it was. In fact, one, one, trans, or one, excuse me, one of the Gospels says that it was a little boy's lunch. I think it was more like, uh, you know, maybe a little tuna fish and some saltine crackers. You know, uh, it, it was a little boy. It was just something small that, that he has that day. And, and yet the disciples say, well, Lord, you know, here's what we got. And, and Jesus said to him, well, give it to me. And they gave it to him. The Bible says he blessed it, he broke it, and then he gave it to them. And he said, now take and dispense to them. And, and the Word of God says that after he, got, he was done, that after they had fed the multitude of, of at this point, it said there were 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. So let, let's use a conservative figure, 10,000 people, that after they take this five loaves and two fish, that the Scripture says that there are 12 baskets full that are left over. Now, I don't know about you, but I would love to live in that kingdom. Hey, right? right? I mean, we live in a kingdom of not enough. We live in a kingdom of lack. We, we live in a kingdom. I, I can prove it to you. When, when does the price of something go up? The price of something goes up in our society when it becomes scarce. All right? If all of a sudden there's an oil embargo again, the price of oil will go high. Uh, all of a sudden there's not enough gold. The price of gold goes high. That, that's the kingdom we live in. It, it's, it's, a, it's a kingdom of scarcity. But God's kingdom is a kingdom that takes five loaves and two fish, feeds 10,000 people, and when there's done, there's still 12 baskets full left over. God's kingdom is a kingdom of abundance. And, and that's the kingdom I want to get into. I want to figure out how to live in this kingdom of abundance. How do I come to that place where I live in, in the overflow of what God has? You know, the, the Word of God does not say that God is El Cheapo. That's how some people picture God. He's El Cheapo. No, no, no. The, the Word of God says that He is El Shaddai. He is more than enough. He's got more than you and I need, and therefore we can believe that as we enter into a relationship with Him, we can receive. Now, let's look at this story today. How do we prepare to receive the provision. How, how do we get there? First of all, look in verse 12. Verse 12 says, Late in the afternoon the twelve came to him and they said, Lord, uh, we, we got this crowd here. Send them away. Get rid of them uh, so they can go into the surrounding areas, the villages, the countryside, and, and they can find food and lodging uh, because we're in a remote place. All right? Number one is this. You have to acknowledge the need. If you want to have provision, you've got to say, I don't have enough. I've had people say, well, you shouldn't teach people to ask God for stuff. Really? Why would you go to the one who has everything and not ask for anything? I mean, how, how, how mixed up is that? He is the God of God. He has it all. And, and, and so I'm standing down here with a small need, and to him everything is small. Understand that. And I go to him and I say, oh, I, how you doing today, son? Oh, everything's fine, Dad. Y'all do know he's your heavenly father. Some of you looked at me funny. Everything's fine, Dad. Everything's good. He says, need anything? No, I'm good. You go out and get in a rusted up, broke down 63 Volkswagen. <laughs> and, and you know what? God will let you do that until you just say, wait a minute. Oh, hey, there's a need here. There, there's something I need at this moment. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 goes on uh, when you're reading there, and it says, He replied, You give them something to eat. I love this. They answered, Lord, we got five loaves and two fish, 
What are we going to do to this huge amount of people that are out here? Number two is you've got to determine what you have. Not only do you have to say there's a need, but then you've got to say, here's what I've got. Now watch this. That little lunch was tiny compared to 10,000 people. But let me give you a scripture. Little is much when God is in it. When you understand that, Lord, all I've got is a little lunch here. I've, I've just got a little bit. You know what? This is what I have. In that moment, God can come in and God can begin to take what you have and begin to bless you. See, that, that's why, where we face this. So we say, oh, you know, I, I got so many bills. I've got so many things in my life. I got so many problems. There's no way I can give to God. There's no way I can give to the kingdom. There's no way I can be involved in that. And yet what I need to understand is that even though it's small, if I will release it, God can then take it and he can use it. And then at the end of it, there can be 12 baskets full left over. Look at verse 14 and 15. He said about 5,000 men were there. Jesus said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. The third thing is this. If you, want, if you want to get that provision into your life is you have to make preparation. Jesus said to them, now, now get this picture. Jesus has been teaching, and now he stopped teaching because the disciples have called him aside. There's 10,000-plus people out there, and I'm going to tell you, if you've ever been in a crowd of 10,000 people, they get rowdy. And so they're milling around. They're talking. They're chasing their kids. They're doing all this stuff. And Jesus says to them, hey, wait, wait a minute. You've got to bring some order to this situation. You say, well, pastor, I want God to bless me in my finances. My first question to you is, do you have a budget? Well, you just got quiet in this good church. Budget. Well, pastor, I don't, I don't want to talk about budget. I, I just want to talk about faith. I just, want, I just want to believe God. No, God says, make a budget. You said, that's not in the Bible. It is too. You want me to give it to you? You ready? You said, I've never read that. Hang on. The Bible says it's a wise man who counts the cost before he begins a building. That means make a budget. Get a budget in your life. Listen, God, let, me, let me say this to you. God cannot bless disorder. Any area of your life that is out of order, God says, I can't bless that. So if you want to receive, hey, I want to bless 10,000 people. If I want to receive, then in that moment, I have to make preparation. I got to get them in groups of 50. I got to get them set down. Can you imagine trying to feed 10,000 moving human beings? Get them seated. Get them set down. Then we can begin to feed them. So you got to bring some order. Some of you need to hear this and you're not liking it, I can tell. But you got to get some order into your life. If God gave some of us a million dollars by tomorrow, we wouldn't know what happened to it because we don't have a plan for anything. All right? So make preparation. Boy, you're liking that so well. Let me give you another one. Look in verse 16. Verse 16 says that, they, that the Lord takes it. It says, taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up into heaven, and he gave thanks and broke it. Now, now here, here it's going to get interesting. The fourth thing is you've got to release it to God. Wow. Whatever it is that you have, you've got to let God have it. 
People, people struggle with this. People struggle with this in their finances. They say, Pastor, I don't have enough the way it is. What do you mean? Give it to God. Listen, these guys didn't have enough the way it was. My, my question is to you, what have you got to lose? What, why in that moment can't you release to God what is already His and say, Lord, here it is, and the Lord takes it into His hand? And I want to tell you something. When God gets it into His hands... When it comes back into your hands, it's always going to be filled with His power. And when His power shows up in your life, your whole life changes in that moment. And, and so in, when you begin to see that, you, you begin to live different. Look in, look in the latter part of verse 16. Then the Lord gave it to the disciples. Look at that. Then He gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. And, and, and in that sense, you begin to understand that. Now, now watch this. The, the, the fifth thing is you've got to operate in faith, okay? You've got to operate in faith. Now, let's, let's, use, let's use my Bible as an illustration. As well. let's, let's say this is the loaves and the fish. I don't believe that when God uh, looked down from heaven, as Jesus is blessing that, that there's this explosion that takes place. That as Jesus is blessing this, all of a sudden there is just a huge explosion and there's bread for miles, right? And there's fish flopping all over. I don't believe that. You know what I believe? I believe Jesus took five little loaves and two little fish, held it up, he blessed it, and I believe when he got done blessing it, it was the same size. And I believe he looks over at the disciples and he says, breaks off a piece of bread, breaks off a piece of fish, and he says, hey, guys, take this and give it to the crowd. Can you imagine what they're thinking? Really? Come on. Can, can you imagine? Now, we're talking about operating in faith. Can you imagine what they're thinking? Because they had already been arguing over that little boy's lunch already. You say, how do you know? You ever read about the disciples? They argue about anything. Who's going to sit at the right hand? Who's going to sit at the left hand? Who's the greatest? Who's this? Who's that? I mean, they argue about anything. So they got a little lunch. They're in a desert place. Nobody's going to get to eat. I guarantee you, it, it's like when you were growing up. How many of you grew up with brothers and sisters? Anybody? Wasn't that a joy? Anyway, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, but it is a joy to have brothers and sisters. But, but I can remember I can remember my mom telling to me, uh, give your sister some of that. And, and, you know, I'd give her some. I'd cut this you know, a piece of water, I give her this much. And, and then my mom started saying, you cut it in half and give her the biggest half. I want to tell you, that was the most precise I was all week. <laughs> I mean, I became a surgeon. <laughs> Sliced that thing right down, as close to the middle as I could because I didn't want her having any more than I've got. Now, I guarantee you, they've already had this discussion back there. You're going to get this, how are you going to get this? And then Jesus takes it, he breaks it, and then he hands it into them, and they're looking at it going, this isn't enough. And he goes, oh, I, yeah, by the way, guys, go out there and hand it out. Can you imagine the first time that they walked out there, and, and there's 10,000 people there, there's 12 of them, they walk out, and they go, break it and hand it. I, I don't think they gave that first guy a big piece. <laughs> I think they pinched a corner off the bread and said, that's all you get, Bubba. Do you see the crowd? <laughs> right? Come on. Be because they are operating. In fact, Jesus later looks at him and says, didn't you get the story? Didn't you get the understanding from the loaves and the fish? I mean, this is a several chapters later he does that to them. And, and they're, they're operating from our perspective. They're operating from lack. They're still in this old kingdom. 
instead of understanding uh, that, that, so, you know, they break off a little bit, and they break off a little bit more, and they look down, and they've got enough. I think, the ne- I think the next guy gets a little more, right? I think by the time they get to about the fourth or fifth guy, they think they're at Lambert's. They're throwing rolls. Just <laughs> go long, <laughs> right? Be, 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 because now their faith has come to a level that they can believe God for great things. See, that's, that's where we've got to get to. When, when you start off on this journey of faith in this new kingdom, man, you, you, you hear about giving to God and bringing your tithes and your offering into the storehouse. And you go, whoa, can't do that. Okay. But, but all of a sudden, when you begin to operate in that and you see God blessing you and seeing the goodness of God, you, man, you, you start telling me, go long. I got something, and, and, and you, because you have now moved in to this new place. See, remember, preparation precedes provision. How many of you today, let me ask this question, how many of you today want the blessings of God in your life? Come on, do you? That, that really ought to be 100%, I would assume. We, we want the blessings of God. Now, now, now let, me, let me drill down for a minute. The book of Matthew, the 6th chapter, the 24th verse, is coming up on the screen, says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted, I love that word, devoted to the one and despise the other. Now look at that last sentence. You cannot serve both God and money. King James says mammon, but the word mammon means the God of money. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, when, when we begin to understand that, now remember, if you are a believer today, I'm, I'm talking to believers just right now, if you are a believer today, you're a Christian today, you're in a new kingdom. Jesus came, first word, repent, change your mind, for the kingdom of heaven has arrived. So now we're in a new kingdom. We're operating by a new, new source, new system. We, we just said that we want to be blessed of God. We want to receive the blessings of God. I, I think, again, you're crazy if you don't want to receive the blessings of God. But let me say something to you. Hear me carefully. It is illegal to try to get the benefits of one kingdom when you operate by the rules of another. Did you hear me? I cannot expect the blessings of the kingdom of God if I am still operating by the kingdom of lack and the kingdom of this world. I've got to make a choice. I've got to come to the place of making a decision of how to operate in this kingdom. Now, God has established the way that as a Christian, as a believer, that we are to operate in this kingdom of provision. How do we get there? It's a word called tithe. The word tithe, T-I-T-H-E. The word tithe means 10%. It means a tenth portion, all right? And I know when pastors talk about that, everybody gets tithe. Oh, don't talk about money, don't talk about... Wait, 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 wait a minute. Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. If I want to live in the land of blessing, then I've got to operate under the rules of the kingdom. It's illegal for me to expect the blessings and to operate under different rules. And yet we find that happening. And so this 10%, people say, well, pastor, that's Old Testament. It is. But it precedes the Old Covenant. It precedes the law of Moses. 400 years before the law was given, Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. 
If you go and you go even further back to the book of Genesis, you find in the book of Genesis that Cain and Abel, that one of them brought just some fruit and stuff, and the Bible says the other one brought his first fruits, which is tithe. He brought a tithe, and the Lord said, I received that, but I don't receive this. The first, can I even say this? The first murder on planet Earth was over the tithe because God received the tithe, and yet there's this whole thing. People say, well, it's, it's only Old Testament. No, it's not. Jesus talked about it in the New Testament. Jesus talked about tithing. He looked at the Pharisees, and he said to them, you pay tithe on every spice in your cabinet. Watch what he said. He said, this you ought to do. But he goes on to say, but don't leave the weightier matters undone. Now think about that. Jesus said, you ought to pay your tithe, but he said, this is, is the basic promise or the basic life of a, of a believer is to pay tithes and then the word of God goes on in the book of Hebrews watch what the word of God says to us it says in the book of Hebrews which is 70 AD or so the book of Hebrews says that here on earth men receive tithes but in heaven God receives you got it in other words, when you bring your tithes to the house of God and to the kingdom of God, that God receives that tithes. You give it here to man, but the scripture says God receives it in the heavenlies. So, listen, I, I want to talk to you about what tithing is about. Listen carefully to me. Don't miss this. Tithing is about four things, and I want to give them to you quickly. Tithing is about covenant. All right? If people would understand that, they would not struggle with tithing. Tithing is about covenant. Do you, do you know what God says? Listen to what God says. You ready? God says, the book of Malachi, God says, prove me in this. The King James Version says, test me in this if I won't pour you out a blessing that you're not able to contain. Now, if God will do that for the children of Israel in the Old Testament, how much more will he bless those of us in the New Testament who say, you know what, we understand covenantial blessing and we're going to step into the covenant of tithing and we are going to believe. That's why I will boldly approach the throne of God when I have a financial need because I'm a tither. I, I, don't, I don't worry about it. Sherry and I got married 35 years ago, right? I did good, Okay. 35 years ago, we've been married 35 years. We made a decision before we got married that we would tithe. I want you to hear me. We have never, not ever one time missed paying our tithes. Why? Because we believe we're in covenant with God. You know what else? God has blessed our socks off. We have found it to be true. We have found that when you enter into this covenant relationship with God, that God is not a man that he can lie. And if God says, I'm going to bless you, he is going to bless you. So it's about covenant. Number two, it's about trust. See, I've said for years, tithing, that 10%, it's not about money. You said, oh, yeah, it isn't me. It's about money, preacher. When I get a million dollars in the bank, I'm going to pay my tithes. I've had people tell me, Pastor, I just want you to know, I, you know, I played the lottery, and if I get it this week, I want you to know I'm going to tithe on that money. Now, let me say this to you. I don't believe you ought to play the lottery, but if you do play the lottery and win, you can pay your tithes. <laughs> we will sanctify that nasty money, all right? <laughs> Just clearing it up for anybody who got a question, all right? 
that really bound religious people right there. But anyway, uh, you know, people gave Oral Roberts trouble years ago when that dog track owner gave him millions of dollars. I said, man, if he's got a few million more, I'll take them. I'll pray over it. I'll sanctify every bit of it. I don't bother me. I'll take the riches of the wicked that have been laid up for the righteous. I, I'm, I'm all for that. All right? But tithing is about trust. Now watch, in the story, in the story that we talked about today, where the disciples came, they had a moment that they had to choose if they were going to trust Jesus or not trust him. That trust said, okay, we could eat and we might be full, or we can release this and see what you're going to do with it. Tithing is saying, God, I trust you. I'm going to give that 10%. I'm going to give that tenth off the top. I'm going to bring that to you because I trust you because I know that if I put it into your hands, get this, if you want what, what is in God's hands, you have to let go of what is in your hand. And you bring it to the house of God and you release it. Now, I, I know, I know. I, I'm going to talk about it. You ready? People sitting there saying, well, the only reason he's preaching this is because he wants the money in the church to go up. Let me tell you something. I do want the money in the church to go up. I, I'm, I'm, are you all right? Maybe I'm the pr only preacher ever told you that. Of course I do. Because if the money in the church goes up, we get to do more ministry. We get to touch more lives. We get to bless more people. All right? I, I don't have a problem telling you that. I mean, you know, it, it takes a lot of money to, to run the kind of ministry that we run. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling you that that's, that that's just off the board and there's nothing to that. Of course there is. But, but let me help you. That, that's way down here. What I'm trying to get through to you today is that if you will begin to trust God, God can move you out of that kingdom of lack, that kingdom of destruction, and he can move you into the kingdom of God's dear son where there is more than enough. You give him your little lunch and you walk out with 12 basketfuls when you're done if you understand that preparation precedes provision. Third thing is this, obedience. Remember we talked about a king and his dominion? All right? People say, well, I, I, I'm going to tithe because the pastor says to. That's the wrong reason to tithe. Hear me? That's the wrong reason to tithe. You need to tithe because God said to. It's not because pastor says to. God said to. God told us, so I've got a choice to make. I'm in his kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, I got saved. All right, but am I going to move from, from him being my Savior and now allow him to be my Lord? So that means now I have to begin to be obedient to even things I don't like. But guess what? When I do what he tells me to do, he brings blessings into my life. The fourth thing about tithing is this. Tithing is about ownership. Who owns it? I worked hard for that car. I put in overtime for that house. These clothes I wear is because I made the money, et cetera, et cetera. We, we think all those thoughts, but let me help you. If God takes his hand off your life, one second, he gives you the strength. He gives you the ability. If you are a Christian today, hear me. He is the one who is there in your life day in and day out. And so in that moment, it's about ownership. Who owns this? The Word of God says I'm but a steward. I'm, I'm, I, God, God puts it into my hands, but it's His. It's, it's, why, it's why Abraham could say when God showed up and said, take your son, your only son Isaac. Abraham said, okay. Three days later, he's on the mountain with a knife in his hand. 
The book of Hebrews, here's what the book of Hebrews says. The book of Hebrews said that, that Abraham trusted God to such a level that he knew the promises of God and that God told him that Isaac was the promised son. And in Abraham's mind, he knew that if he killed Isaac, that God was going to raise him up. That's how much trust he had in God. And he said, God, you own it all, and I'm going to give it back to you. In our lives, God asks for us to allow him a tenth. Ten percent. He said, bring that into the storehouse. Do you know what would happen? In love and true churches, if every believer tithed, there would never be a financial need in the house. There would never be a need of missions in the house. We would never, ever have to mention, boy, it's getting a little tight. We better, if every, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not talking about people who are somewhere else in another house or not going. I'm talking about if every person who's a believer in a love and true church would tithe would be obedient to God who is the owner, there would never, ever be lack in the house. People's lives would be radically changed if we would make God first. I, I know, I've been doing this a long time, I know when you talk about finances, I know when you talk about tithing especially, that a lot of people take it in the wrong manner. I want you to know today, I'm not after your money. I'm after your heart. I'm after your willingness to be obedient to the king and his dominion. And say, God, I'm in your kingdom now. I got a little. I don't know. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't look right. But you say you want it? Okay. I give it to you, take it, use it. And again, the end result in the story, 12 baskets full, left over. Because God is a God who is more than enough. Amen.